Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, this is Ken Gagney, Chief Engineer of Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. After a six-week hiatus, Discovery is back on the air, and so is Transporter Lock, or at least half of us. My captain, Sabriel Masson, is off in California attending an Overwatch event this week. And so as this week's guest co-host, I've recruited my dear friend, Susan Arndt. Hello, Susan. Hello. How are you? I am great. How are you doing this fine day? Delightful. So you are new to this show, even though we have talked about you on it. Can you remind our listeners who you are? Uh, Sure. Uh, I am uh, Susan Arndt. I'm a host on the Continue podcast, and I'm also the editor-in-chief of Genie Online, which is a website about magic deception and puzzles. That's fantastic. Oh, and by the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year! What is the statute of limitations of which it's no longer acceptable to say that? I think it's the first time you you speak to a friend of yours after the new year within the month of January. Okay, so it has to be January. I feel like it does, yeah. So if I see them every year on the 4th of July, I can't say Happy New Year. Well, you can, but they're gonna think you're dopey. Most of my friends already think that. Okay, well then, you know, you got free reign. You know, you do, you do you. You follow your bliss. I've always appreciated your blessing, Susan. Thank you. <laughs> I ain't judging. No, you never have. Nope, nope. Even that one time you said, hey, if I'm a serial killer, you're, who are you to judge? Who am I? You know, I'm sure you have your reasons. That's right. They must have had it coming. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are we ready to talk about Star Trek Discovery? Uh, yes. Okay. Bring it. So I just finished rewatching, uh, what's it called? Despite yourself, and I saw you tweet about it, and you were as gobsmacked as I was. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if we should go in order or just talk about what stood out most to us. But what were you expecting going into this episode? You know, I I, I really wasn't sure because the first half of the season. Okay, okay, okay. So I've I did I ever tell you what my theory was about the first two episodes of Discovery? Yes, we talked about it on Polygamer, and I heard you okay. talk about it on Continue as well. But for yes. those who have not heard it on this podcast, which Sabriel and I may have summarized, just bring us back up to speed. Okay, to, to bring us back up to speed, uh, I am convinced, 100% convinced, that the first two episodes of Discovery, which is where you see Michael Burnham on the Shinjo, and you, you, see, you actually see all the events that led to her being sent to prison for life, were made after... Like, they were never supposed to be the first two episodes. They were never supposed to exist. You were supposed to meet Michael Burnham on that uh, transport to prison. But then I guess they were afraid that it wasn't clear enough what was going on, and they really wanted to, you know, fill in that backstory more, more concretely. So they hurried up and made those two episodes, which I think really got that entire season off on the wrong foot. It was the, it, it was a very – it was a lot of conceptual stuff. You know, first you've got to get people used to the idea of a mushroom superhighway that lets you, you know, Im- I- immediately teleport your your starship from one spot to another. There was a lot of new ideas being thrown around in that in the first half of that season. But I felt like at the by the time they got to the end of it, they had really started. Everybody understood their characters. They understood how their characters related to each other. They understood the story they were trying to tell, and they had really started to hit a good pace. So I was really just expecting, you know, like more of that, more of that sort of mid-range kind of. Haha! We're well, we're going back to Starfleet, but oh no, something's gone wrong. Haha! And then they run into I don't know, like whatever. Did not expect them to end up, A, completely different universe. Uh Uh-huh. Parallel universe, like, what? (laughs) B, for, for, uh, okay, I'm still real bad with the character names, forgive me. Hot, hot guy, hot tortured guy. Ash Tyler. There you go. Um, okay, can we just, can we just, can we just lay it out? Can we just lay it out for, can we, 
He's a Klingon, y'all. <laughs> I'm just laying it out. So, okay. So he was, we've always known that, that something was off about him. And he gets physically examined and his organs have been removed and replaced and his bones have been broken and the lengths of them have been changed. The dude is a Klingon that they made look like a human. (laughs) So there's that, right? And then hi snaps nice doctor guy's neck. Oh, what? 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 That's going to be awkward when he's like, Oh, by the way, Michael, FYI, just, you know, a thing, small thing, minor thing. I killed our doctor. I hope that's not going to get in the way of our dating. So you didn't see any of this coming? No. But what? Maybe, maybe, maybe hot torture guy. Maybe. No, I never suspected he was a Klingon. No. Something like I suspected something was going to be up with him. But no, 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 I didn't see any of this coming. Am I dumb? Was this obvious to everybody but me? (laughs) We have long suspected some aspect of the mirror universe would come into the play, especially after we saw Stamets looking in the mirror at himself. Oh. Because remember, his reflection walked away later. Right, 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 right. See, I thought he was just going crazy. Well, that's possible, too. I mean, talking about the palace and the clearing in the woods and all that. Oh, but, 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 I I mean, I figure the palace is, is a reference to the emperor. Oh, you think so? I, I do. I mean, they keep going on up about this emperor who's, you know, super, super vicious and, you know, completely feared, but also totally isolated. Like nobody knows who this person is. So that's, I'm, I'm guessing that's some other, like the emperor is going to be, I don't know, the original captain of the Shinjo. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be a big dramatic reveal, but who could it be? Well, see, that's why I think the two prequel episodes that opened the season, I I agree that they were very different from the rest of the series, but I don't think that they have fully paid off yet because the Emperor might be Captain Georgiou or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wait, what about, so remember that Klingon, that kind of, the, the, the albino Klingon? Wasn't that Voke? Yes. Yes. Like I said, I'm terrible with names. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it take it takes me forever to learn character names. I I you know cuz he's not dead. I think that's who Ash Tyler is. Oh. Oh. That's <laughs> rad. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Cuz Laurel said you will have to give up everything and that implies his whole identity as well. Right. Oh, that's ooh. ooh. I like that. Sorry if I yeah. ruined it for you. No, no, no. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Mm. That's super clever. Yay. The only other theory I've heard about who the emperor might be, other than Captain Georgiou, is uh-huh. Harry Mud. Oh. <laughs> hmm. I, I. I guess it could be, but I don't. It, that doesn't. It really doesn't seem like his style. Like he's. Yes, he would really enjoy being the guy in charge, for sure. <laughs> but he's not a he's not a detail guy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he wants the, he wants the really nice chair to sit in and he wants the money, but he doesn't want to actually have to follow through with stuff. Well, did you see his first his second appearance on the original series when he was captain of this planet of all animals? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So he certainly likes running one planet. Why not all of them? Well, but but it's not just a planet. He's running all of humanity. <laughs> so it's and androids are. I mean, androids have to do what he says. And by the way, all the androids were women. Let's not forget that part. Oh no no no. We we Wait, cannot forget. Hmm. Are there boy androids too? There was one. It, mm, so. <laughs> I mean. Everybody likes a little variety, I'm just saying. Of course, of course. Yeah. So they are obviously in the Mirror Universe, but this Mm -hmm. series is set 10 years before the original Star Trek, and I thought Captain Kirk was supposed to be the first one to encounter the Mirror Universe. Well, I mean, let's be honest. They're they're, both the movies, and I think everything at this point is being tinkered with to a certain degree. Star Trek has very much the same problem that Doctor Who did, uh, when the new new, it's like ten years old now at this point. But the the new series started with Christopher Eccleston. You have this 
massive amount of lore and history and canon that the vast majority of your new audience has no idea about. So what do you do? Like, you you need to honor it without being a slave to it. So I feel like Discovery will probably end up retconning more than a few things. Like, we've never heard of this spore drive in any of the Star Trek iterations. Right. So, you know, it's going to have to blaze at least some of its own path. I mean, this is also the problem that Enterprise ran into. If you're coming before everything else, like, we know how this ends up. (laughs) So, you know, which is why I tapped out when uh, the aliens that they were fighting in Enterprise cut an enormous swath through Florida. (gasps) Did you not see this? So you stopped watching with season three? I guess so, yeah. Oh, because see, in Despite Yourself, the episode we just watched, they mm-hmm. talked about the USS Defiant, how it's from the future Prime universe, and it went back in time to the Mirror universe. Mm-hmm. So that happened in both the original series back in the 60s and in season four of Enterprise. Oh, interesting. So in the original series, we saw the Defiant disappear, but we never found out where it went. And then in Enterprise Season 4, they did a two-parter that was set entirely in the Mirror Universe with no crossover other than this empty Defiant ship showing up. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. Oh, okay. So that's why people were saying that this referenced Enterprise. I was like, I don't see a beagle. What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, Porthos. I loved Porthos. Me too. And I I always thought... The one thing I really liked about that, one of the things that I really enjoy about Star Trek in general, is that it models itself after the Navy. And it always made sense to me that the captain would have a dog. The Navy has dogs? Uh, on, oh, like, not now, but, <laughs> you know, like, old, like in the tradition of older sailing vessels, yeah, totally, would totally have a dog. Huh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, not cat people. Uh, sailors. No, dog. Yeah, absolutely. It was the it was the captain's you know prerogative to have a companion on on board. So a dog would totally make sense. So that's why I, I liked Porthos. It added a little bit of humanity to this otherwise kind of doofy show. But that means you also missed Mirror Universe Porthos. Did he have an eye patch? He was a Rottweiler. Oh, I love it. <laughs> nice, nice. That's fantastic, isn't it? Oh God, I love it. <laughs> Amazing. So I've been wondering throughout the course of Transporter Lock what other Mirror Universe characters we've already seen in Enterprise because I am highly suspicious about Lorca's intentions and origins. Am I the only person who doesn't think Lorca is a bad guy? I don't know that he's a bad guy, but he's definitely not an honest one. Well, well, okay, I'll give you that. I mean, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you that he's not honest. But here's okay. <laughs> At the point in the chronology that we're dealing with, you cannot possibly be next generation goody-goody Star Trek and live. Like, it's still too much the Wild West. You're going to have to cut some corners and tell some lies. And, oh, by the way, they're at war. So, I'm, uh, you know, if I'm trying to win a war, I'm not going to worry about the truth a whole lot. You know, he's he's a very pragmatic guy. He is doing what needs to be done to achieve the goal. And the goal in this case is is winning the war and everything. Everything else is secondary to that. People's feelings doesn't care. I'm not sure that's his only goal, though, because he he's the one who diverted Burnham's shuttlecraft from prison so that he could get her onto his ship. True, which is odd unless she actually is just that damn smart. It feels a little forced, but then, yeah, that that makes me wonder, is Burnham a means to an end? Because, again, the guy is very pragmatic. So what about her, besides whatever skills she brings to the table, what about her other than that matters? That's the question. We just found out that these two characters know each other in the Mirror Universe as well. Yeah, isn't that fun? So there has to be some correlation going on there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but that can't be a coincidence. Mm, well, it's here's a, I, my here's what I struggle with. How much is convenience for the sake of the narrative? 
Like we need a reason to put Burnham and Lorca on the same ship so they can follow the same storyline. How do we do that? Oh, well, we make up this narrative in the mirror universe where he's uh, supposedly killed her. Cool. And how much of that is designed? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, you, you watch enough mediocre sci-fi and you begin to just assume a, a, a lot of events are, are convenient for the writers as opposed to really well thought out design if it ends up being well thought out design then awesome there's always been a lot of coincidence with the mirror universe because when you think about how much they kill each other in the mirror universe and yet all the same people from the prime universe still exist somehow yeah (laughs) so apparently the only people who are dying in the mirror universe are the ones who weren't going to have kids anyway (laughs) right Confirmed bachelors and bachelorettes forever. So as somebody who's child-free by choice, I feel very threatened by this. <laughs> so Mirror Universe Us... Is dead. Yeah, we are the red shirts of the Mirror Universe. <laughs> oh no. Damn it. Uh, Can we talk about my favorite Mirror Universe person? Captain Killy. Captain Killy! <laughs> oh god, she makes me so happy. <laughs> what, what? Tell me why. Okay, well I... I I love uh, the character of Tilly, for starters, because women are usually a a very frequent shortcut to make a a female character in a situation like a Star Trek is to make her a dude, basically a dude with hips and boobs. Um, Tilly is not that she talks too much and she's nervous and she's kind of a dork and all of these all of these things that make her a very real person. But then also she happens to be brilliant and she happens to be very good at her job and she has ambitions. You know, she wants to be a captain someday. She's a a person as opposed to an archetype or a plot device. So I really appreciate that about her a lot. Then to give her this incredibly fun mirror version, who's just super vicious and, (laughs) You know, commanding. Yes. And, oh, God, so <laughs> much fun. It is so much fun. And and so we've got this super nervous, timid Tilly who has to pretend to be this other person, uh, Captain Killy. Uh, and it's just wonderful to watch. And she's like, you know, I'll cut out your tongue and use it to lick. My <laughs> I boots. love that line. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just as amazing the second time I watched it. Yeah, it's it's too much fun. It's it's wonderful. I love it. But it makes me wonder how she was able to so easily step into that role because that line is not something that I would ever expect Tilly to say. No, Tilly would never say it. She knows, like, she's probably channeling, like, okay, who's someone? Who's a really scary teacher I had at the academy? <laughs> right? Like, what would they say? That's what she's doing. Like, it would never come out of Tilly's mouth. But she's smart enough to be able to put herself in the mindset to be like, okay, what would this, what would a really, really scary person say? I wish I had that sort of improvisational skill because when I'm in an intimidating situation, I can't get out of my own head. I can't pretend to be somebody else. Oh, okay. Well, red shirt, this is what I'm saying. (laughs) Thanks, Susan. I'm sorry, man. It's just, it's our fate. We're doomed. I suppose. We'll have had a good run though. Exactly. I plan to go out uh, as the object lesson. I am I am the one who dies to illustrate to the rest of the crew how serious the situation is. <laughs> You're the warning. That's me, yes. The weather bell. The canary in the <laughs> coal mine. <laughs> I have the red shirt canary, yes. Lovely. So now we know why a couple episodes ago when Stamets stepped out of that spore booth, he looked at Tilly and said, Captain, what are you doing down here? Yeah, yeah. So he was apparently, I don't know, swapping places with his mirror self or channeling the mirror universe somehow? That's yeah, that's what I'm guessing, is that he's, I don't think he's actually s- swapped with his, although I wonder if their brains communicated. Like if his, if, if our Stamets' brain is connected to mirror Stamets' brain. The theory is that 
the USS Discovery and the ISS Discovery may have swapped places. Oh, snap. That's right. That's right. So now we have the ISS Discovery zooming around the Prime Universe, which also means that they have their own spore drive. Right. Right. Aren't they going to, like, okay, if they're just zipping around the Prime Universe, aren't they just going to go shoot everything? Maybe they are pretending to be the USS, just like our ship is pretending to be ISS. Oh, God. Good luck <laughs> with that, gang. Woo. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to go well. I think you're right, because in the original series, you may recall that the Kirk, uh, they switched yep. places as well. Yep. And the Mirror Kirk was just so savage, he had no mental capacity to pretend to be somebody else. Right, exactly. It's it's much easier to let your restraints go than to put them on. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good way to put it. You know? So, uh, you know, one one speaking of, of that episode with Kirk, one of the things I appreciated about the costume design in this episode of Discovery was their gun holsters looking like the gold sashes. Mm, I don't think I noticed that. From the mirror universe. I, I love Discovery's costumes. I think they do a fantastic job with that kind of detail. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really nice little nod. Because those sashes are so silly. <laughs> They're decorative. They're ceremonial. Well, exactly. Yes. Yes. Do you really feel like the mirror universe, like those vicious people would be like, I'm going to put on a fancy sash? I don't know. Maybe if it designates rank and is somehow intimidating. Oh. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll go with. I'll take that journey with you. I did like Burnham's outfit in this. It was so Roman. I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very centurion. And very structured, as opposed to like you could sleep in a in a Starfleet uniform. Those things are comfy. Mm. Those are made to you know to be comfortable and flex with you and be organic. Whereas the mirror universe costume. Very constructed, very rigid, very hard. Mm-hmm. Another nice detail. Mm. At the end of the episode, we saw her taking off her uniform, sliding out of the cover guard or whatever, and taking off her boots. And then she gets hanging out with Nash Tyler. Mm-hmm. And all the meanwhile, I love this juxtaposition. It jumps from them making out to mm-hmm. Lorca in the agonizer booth. Yeah. Oh, poor <laughs> My pal. It doesn't put Ash and Michael in a very good light that they kind of forgot about Lorca. True. <laughs> but what could they realistically do about it without blowing their cover? It's true. When Burnham said that she seemed to threaten the mm-hmm. crew to not put Lorca in there, and Lorca kind of looked at her and said, no, I need to go in there. Mm-mm-mm. So I think he knows what he's getting himself into, but it doesn't make it any less painful. Right, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, this is this is my thing. This is why I, I'm, I'm very pro-Lorca. As, <laughs> as much as he is willing to sacrifice whomever and whatever to reach his goals, he'll do it to himself, too. Oh, my God. When he slammed his face into that door? Yep. Because he's got to sell the bit. I don't know that I could do it. Oh, I don't think I could. Man. <laughs> and he's just like, boom, yeah. no hesitation. He, Cause this is, this is a thing. Like he, he's not a self-centered person. He's not a narcissist. He's just very driven towards a singular goal. And you're, I think you're right. We're not necessarily entirely aware of what that goal is. Do you think that he orchestrated their jump to the mirror universe? No. You think this is an actual accident? I do. I do. Well, hmm. Accident in the purest sense, I'm not certain. Stamets may have caused it on purpose, though what drove him to do that, I I can't say. You know what I mean? Like it's per- maybe Mirror Universe Stamets influenced Prime Universe for them to swap places. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe just being in touch with the Mushroom Superhighway just messed with his head to the point that he felt like the Mirror Universe was his home. Hmm. I don't know. But no, I, I, don't, I definitely don't think Lorca orchestrated it because why, why would he get the info to break the Klingon cloak and then not get it back to Starfleet? 
that was weird too because they were able to convey that admiral who had broken her legs back to Starfleet command but not send any information with her about the Klingon cloak had they had they broken it by that point I thought that's how they defeated the Klingon emperor mm. I would have to go rewatch the yeah last I need to go again. rewatch yeah oh well yeah hmm. yeah I'm, I, oh oh wait 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 they had all the data they need this is what it was they had all the data points they needed but they needed time to actually crunch the numbers, so to speak. Oh, okay. That's what, so yeah, I mean, it could, they did not have the information to give to her to go back at that time. That's what it was. Okay. And that's actually almost believable. (laughs) Now, see, I think Lorca did intend for them to end up in the mirror universe because I think that's where he's from. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Because when he was making out with that Admiral, she was saying, like, remember all these times that we did this and that? And he just sort of vaguely said, gee, that was a long time ago. Hmm. You know, like, he never actually confirmed that he knew anything about what was going on. And when she was tracing these various scars and tattoos on his back, it was like she'd never seen them before. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. And we know that Lorca went missing around the time that his ship was destroyed, which we know also happened in yep, our universe. Yep. His, this Lorca's ship was destroyed. Right. I right, think right, there right, are some right. sort of switcheroo at that point. Oh, now that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. But okay. It still doesn't explain why he wants to go back to the Mew universe and what his connection is to Burnham. Right. Yeah, that's my question. Like, why... If he try, if it Okay, let's, let's assume... Uh, Mirror Lorca ended up here accidentally. Uh huh. Okay, because I, I, because I think that's reasonable to assume that that it wasn't on purpose. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's here. the The human empire doesn't exist anymore. We're all singing Kumbaya. We're all buddies. That's great. Now he finds humanity is at war with the Klingons. Well, yeah. Why would Why would he go back? I don't know. However. Just because he's from the Mirror Universe does not mean he's a bad guy. So on DS9, we saw Mirror Universe counterparts to Cisco and Chief O'Brien, and they were both good people. Oh! They may have been willing to break certain rules that our characters would not have, because in the Mirror Universe, there are fewer rules. Right, right. So our Lorca, or the Lorca that we're seeing on the TV show, he may be willing to do bad things, but for good reasons. Mm, interesting. Because that's how things work in the mirror universe. Right, right, right. That does definitely fit in with his personality uh, that we've seen so far, for sure. And it would also explain why he went out of his way to get Burnham on his ship. Why is that? Okay, so if if, if this is Mirror Lorca, then, this, then he killed Mirror Burnham. Or is believed to have, I mean, they never found her body, that's but... True. Yep. Right. So, okay. So if this is after that, so Mirror Lorca takes out Mirror Burnham, then finds himself in the Prime Universe, where there's another Michael Burnham. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just wants to keep his eye on her. He just doesn't trust her. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe like knowing what she's like in the Mirror Universe, maybe he's like, you know what? Here's an opportunity for me to get this person within my orbit. Maybe I can use that to my benefit somehow. I don't know, but let me do that. Did you ever see the Jet Li film, The One? I did not. Terrible movie. You missed nothing. (laughs) But I love the concept, which was that there are parallel universes, but there's a finite number of them. Oh, okay. So let's say there's like 100 universes, and the amount of Jet Li energy is evenly distributed amongst them. So each Jet Li has 1% of the energy. Oh, I get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so one of the Jet Lees figures out that there are these other universes. He goes around and starts killing them, and the energy gets redistributed, and he gets more and more powerful. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So in the end, there are only two Jet Lees, and they both have 50% of the Jet Lee power. They're like 50 times stronger than they were when the movie started. Right. And one of them has to take out the other to get 100% of the energy. Okay. Conceptually, this is really good. Right. That's why I picked up the movie, because I thought it would be great. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Lorca's going around and just killing all the Burnhams. Huh. I don't know. I don't either, but I like I like the idea. I think it would be very fun for him to be not quite what he appears. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that because then it's it's just more interesting than, you know, dude trying to get to the end of the war as fast as possible. 
And it's consistent with every other character on this show keeping secrets. That's true. That's very true. You know, nobody has learned that if you think something is wrong, tell somebody. <laughs> if you see something, say something. Like, mention it, maybe. Right. Just in passing. Get a coffee. Say, right. hey, by the way. And maybe before you're at the point where you're going to snap the doctor's neck. So here's another interesting tidbit. <laughs> Let's hear it. I Sadly, I did not follow up on this article. So I don't know who said it, beyond it being somebody associated with the show. That death is not necessarily the end. So does that mean Mirror Universe Doctor comes back? Well, there was an interview with the director, Jonathan Frakes. Okay. And he had said, this may be a spoiler, we haven't seen the last of Culber. Okay, okay. Now, months ago, they also said the same thing about Captain Georgiou. We hadn't seen the last of her, and we ended up seeing a hologram of her in a message she left from Michael. Oh, right, yeah. I don't know if that's all they meant, or if maybe they meant we're going to see mirror her. The last time I watched a sci-fi TV show where they killed off a main character with as little ceremony as Culber died, Mm -hmm. within three episodes, they brought the character back from a different timeline. Ugh. It's that bugs me. Like commit to it. I mean, I think it was intentional. I think they had it, it this whole arc planned out. No, I I agree with that. I agree. But then you're getting the shock value of killing the character, but then copping out by by bringing the character back. Well, just like if if they do it in Star Trek, it would probably be the mirror right. version, which was the same in this other show, which was this dif- this other timeline was different, and the character was like, "I don't know any of you people. Who are you?" What what show are you talking about? Well, if I say it, it might be a spoiler, but it's the oh. Sarah Con- it's the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh well, that show's been off the air for years. So, <laughs> if if they haven't seen it by now, I'm sorry, but like, come on, it's a very good show though. I was so disappointed that it ended on a cliffhanger. I know, I know that was a, that was a very good it, that show was better than it had any business being. I concur. Yeah, uh-huh. but yeah, but yeah, I I like the idea. See, I don't think this one is I, in this case. I don't think it would be a cheat because then. You have okay, so mirror mirror doctor comes back, and it's okay. Well, we're a couple in this universe, and I don't know you, so you get to explore that whole because I mean they're the only relationship on the ship. They're the only family on the ship. They're the only characters you could do that with, right? You know, like if Mirror Saru, well, it wouldn't be Mr. Saru because <laughs> he's that wouldn't go too well. But like, you know what I mean? Like anybody else comes back on the crew. It's like, OK, well, it's weird because you look like my coworker, but all right, I guess I'll get used to it as opposed to, you know, you're my husband. Right. So that that would actually allow them a little bit of uh, actual human emotions in the middle of all the pew pew. Right. We get to see a new relationship develop. Right. Possibly. Right. Still, though, he was such a nice guy. He was. He was. But they weren't doing enough with him. I would have liked to have seen more. What What more could they have done? Uh, do you, I mean, Bones got to go on away missions all the freaking time. There haven't been that many away missions, unfortunately. Mm-mm. I mean, it's always, you know, it's all, all Burnham all the time. And Burnham's hot boyfriend now. By the way. Yes. Can we talk about, okay, hot, tortured guy, (laughs) we're going to send you out on the really mission critical stuff immediately, despite the fact that I have this entire well-trained crew that I know all of their abilities. Let's just send the new guy to do all the really important stuff. It was disconcerting how quickly he was promoted to chief of security. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they were at war with the Klingons, and Lorca said he needed somebody who fought like a Klingon. For chief of security, I'll give you that, for that reason. But, you know, going and retrieving the the computer core uh, in the last episode, and he's being unresponsive. No, 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 no. Like, why is this the guy that's be constantly being sent on these very important and delicate missions? Like, Why? Like you do, okay, in a in a dangerous situation, he fights like a Klingon. Great, I see you. You know, he goes on a on a raiding party or what have you. That makes sense to me. 
Why is that guy the one you send out in the worker bee to go get the computer for? Right. Don't they have pilots on this ship? Right. How is that a security matter? It, exactly. It's, and that's this is what I was talking about earlier with the convenient writing. You need it so he can have the PTSD flashback. It doesn't make sense for him to actually be the, the person doing that, but it's a situation that can be used to further his storyline. That's lazy. I think this episode was the first time they actually used the acronym PTSD to explain what he was going through. Uh, I feel Or maybe like... they mentioned it when the... That's right, because the other admiral who was a psychologist... That's yes, right. yes, yes. But also you think that... I don't know if she had time to debrief after she was rescued, but you think she would have mentioned, by the way, Tyler has PTSD? Right? Like, hey, maybe don't put him in super stressful positions. Right. Yeah, he's he's not well enough to hack it. Now, I, I his conversation with the doctor about not wanting to get the psyche vow, that rang extremely true. Or was it Burnham? I forget if it was. No, I think was, you got it. Yeah, where he's like, you know, if you get, if this is reported, and because this is a very real reason why people don't report their mental health issues, you get, you get benched. You get sidelined. And he would he would be completely removed from duty and removed from everything until they could get him to a doctor. I thought it was very unwise of Dr. Culber to say, have you been experiencing lost time, flashbacks, any of these things? Because if you are, I'll have to ground you. Yeah. Yeah, that really? was... Because in the same breath, he's giving Tyler a reason to lie to him. I know. I know. That was... <sighs> Doctors tend to assume you want to get better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, honey, bless your heart. You would think doctors would know better. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Everybody lies. Everybody lies to their doctor. Come on, get a grip. Although I did like that he mentioned that Tyler had undergone the Manchurian test. Yes. Yes. I thought that was a nice touch. I like that they have a name for that. Yeah. Huh. yeah what they used to call brainwashing. <laughs> way back in the day. Way, way back. Yeah. Like, why would you? why would you change the name of that? What brainwashing? Yeah. Do we do we even call it that now? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. I thought I assumed we did because everybody knows what it means. Oh, now I need to know this. I mean, the Wikipedia page is very long and it goes back to the fifties. Yeah, uh, well, that makes sense. Uh, there's also another name for it is re-education. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. Completely switching gears for a moment, there was one yeah. scene that we didn't talk about, which I really liked, and that mm -hmm. was the f close quarters combat in the turbo lift. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> what did you like about it? I uh, Well, I liked, first of all, it was very well choreographed. Yes. Because w one thing that uh, really makes me uh, it, resistant to a, a lot of, uh, you know, entertainment if you're, if you, the way you edit it or choreograph it or both means all I can see is a whole bunch of, something is happening and I can't really discern what's happening to whom and how. The Jason Bourne movies are very guilty of this. Especially the second and third ones with Matt Damon. The director, yeah. I forget who the director was, but it was the same guy who did United 93. Oh. He loves his shaky cam. It's, it's, it, you know, I want to be able to, see the ebb and flow of the fight and you know someone getting the upper hand or oh no how are you going to respond to that and i thought this did that extremely well you, you i thought you could see uh burnham's thought process and her inventiveness in the middle of the fight very clever turning off the gravity i i re i thought it was a very very well done sci-fi fight that made use of the the environment that we're in an enclosed space where you can kick off the wall where you can turn off the gravity make use of the floor the whole bit the second even the second time i watched it i was impressed by how easily i was able to follow everything that was happening yeah yeah and that's that is a craft that is a a, a skill and a craft that i appreciate is shooting and choreographing that so that the visual language makes sense to the viewer mm -hmm. love that Although the second time I watched it, I wasn't sure it was the gravity they turned off because they went up and then immediately back down. 
Oh, okay. So I wonder if maybe the turbo lift just came to a very sudden halt. You're probably right. I'm not sure. That makes more sense. Yeah. But even more striking was the look on Burnham's face when she killed that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, this is something that kind of, when you have a phaser, right, it's, it's pew pew. Oh, you fire your phaser and, and they go away. Pew pew. A knife, you're up close and personal. Your hand is now covered in that person's blood. She just had to stick her hand with force into a human being to end their life. A human being who looks like a friend of hers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have any choice. He totally would have killed her. Absolutely. She had to do it. It was the right thing to do. It was him or her. But that's not just something you shrug off with a quip. No. And then, and then she has to, the doors open and she's got to stay in character. She can't look rattled. She can't look like this was anything other than, oh, it's Tuesday. I have to kill somebody. Right. Dispose of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I kind of wish as he was gasping his last breath and they were still in the closed turbo lift, I really expected her to apologize, to say, I'm so sorry. I know. I know that would have broken character. I know Terrans don't apologize, but he was as good as dead anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just felt yeah. like that would have been an opportunity for her to reclaim a little bit of her own humanity. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But yeah, you're right. That scene was shot really well, and a lot of the choreography and everything else about this episode is thanks to the amazing director, Jonathan Frakes. The man knows his stuff. You did a whole episode of your podcast about him. Okay. <laughs> There were a lot of F-bombs in that episode. Oh, yeah, well, we're a, we're a filthy trio of people. Well, Frake bombs, of course. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Although the coloring book with him in it, that, that it was, it's amazing. I need it's, to find that. Oh, my God. It is such a thing of beauty. Oh, <laughs> I don't know who created this, but they have, they have, that is their contribution to society as a whole. I will put as many links as I can in the show notes for Transporter Lock. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so great how they are not only incorporating these references to TOS and Enterprise, but bringing back renowned directors from Star mm-hmm. Trek's lore. And, and that's the thing. I mean, who, who better is going to know how to direct an episode of Star Trek than someone who, who was in so damn many of them? You know, who was in the movies, who was in episodes, who understands the ebb and flow of an episode and, and how to create drama in these, let's be honest, ridiculous situations because it's, you have to, when you're, when you're dealing with green screen and alien makeup and silly costumes and this over the top fantastical situation, you really need that director to bring it all together. So, I mean, obviously actors, this is their job is to pretend to be other things, but you, you really need that cohesion of your director to, to keep it together and to, to treat it as seriously as any other drama, even though, (laughs) you know, you've got threat tendrils popping out of someone's head. (laughs) And Frakes is somebody who has not just been an actor on Star Trek, which includes playing Riker on TNG, DS9, Voyager and Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But he's also directed a ton of movies as well. Yes, he has. Yeah, 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 yeah. You ever see Clockstoppers? I have not. I mean, it's aimed at a younger audience, but it was fun. I liked it. Is that your Klingon Targ? That would be my uh, two of my three Targs. That's right. Are, are chiming in. And which Targs are these? This would be uh, Alice and Bridget. Ah, uh, the classics. Yes, the classics. Uh, the the new Targ, Chloe, uh, has woofed exactly once since we adopted her. Just a little woof. Aww. She she uh, she's not quite comfortable enough to vocalize yet. She hasn't found her voice yet. No, she has not. No. Uh, you should have named her Tilly. <laughs> well, okay, here we go. This is total tangent. So when you name your first dog Alice <laughs> and your second dog Bridget, they need to be human names. That, and you've created a pattern of being in alphabetical order. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yep, so we're we're committed at this point. So your next dog will be Dagon or Damien? <laughs> Something like that, Donna. <laughs> Do- Donna, of course, David. <laughs> right, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Good to know. 
I think we've covered pretty much everything in this episode. The next thing, the only thing I have left to wonder is where do you think this show is going? Now, that's a really interesting question. The the tricky thing is, obviously, you don't want to completely abandon uh, the Discovery. Because you don't don't want to just dump those characters for three or four or five episodes and then like, oh, yeah, remember everybody back on the freaking ship? So uh, Burnham and, and Lorca and Hot Tortured Guy are going to have to do their thing and get out and get back to where they need to be within one or two episodes, I would think. Agree? Disagree? Well, there are only four more episodes left in this season. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think they could stretch this out across the rest of the season. Oh, I agree. I I, I think that they will be in the mirror universe for the entire rest of the season. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know that Burnham at all will be on the Shinjo for the rest of the season. I think the only conditions under which she would leave that ship is if she is outed. Oh, or if she gets the info that she's looking for. But even if she does get the info, how can she ostensibly leave that ship? They had to, they had a plan for that. They had to. Weren't they going to like just beam her aboard and then try to, I don't know, escape? I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, they were gonna. They have a plan for it. It wasn't the best plan, but there was some plan to get her get get all of them back off the ship, because the information doesn't do them any good if they're not there. Right, but once they are all reunited on the Discovery, it's not like they can take the information about the Defiant and just pop back into the Prime Universe. Well, that's what they're saying they can do. Like, oh, this is how the Defiant got here. We'll reverse engineer that and we can get it. We can hop back to home. In that case, they're going to need to find some Tholians. Because <laughs> that's oh, how the Defiant I... got there. Uh, well, we saw Andorians in the clip for next week. I never watch the clips for next week. <gasps> okay. I am excited to hear that they're Andorians because they played a huge role in Enterprise. Oh. And they were also one of the founding members of the Federation in the Prime Universe. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Although, you know what? This, I, th I think we all already knew that Discovery existed in the same universe as all the TV shows as opposed to the three recent movies. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But this really cements it because they're referring to something that happened in the original series, which was the Defiant disappearing. Right. And that wouldn't happen if we were dealing with the movie characters. Right, because that's where they're in an alternate timeline. and Right. Yeah. Here, okay, I just thought of something. So the one thing that's that's not bothered me, that kind of stuck out to me, is Mr. Saru. Oh. Because... He's the only obviously visible alien on Discovery, Prime yes. Discovery, right? Yes. So all the aliens are all rebels in Mirror Universe. Yes. So are we going to find Mirror Saru as a rebel like this? Because like our Saru is, he's not a coward, but he's, he's risk averse. Yes. So are we going to find Mr. Saru in the Mirror Universe as this, this rebel fighting for freedom? It's possible. I don't know. I mean, certainly Saru, our Saru, cannot let himself be seen on the Discovery by any outside parties. Right, right. But beyond that, I hadn't really thought about what his role might be. I, it's just, it's too, it's too, I feel like it's too much of a coincidence hmm. for them to have this guy who is full-on alien and the rebels in the Mirror Universe are all the aliens and not have that matter. It just, it would feel like a huge missed opportunity to me. There's a lot of things they can do. I never expected the ops officer from the Shenzhou to come back as the captain of the Discovery and get knifed. That's a really good point. That's an excellent point. So who knows? There could be major characters that we're going to overlook and minor characters that are going to come back and be big. Good point. Well, I think that's it for this week of Transporter Lock. All right. Remind our listeners where to find you online, Susan. Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Susan Arndt. You can find me on the Continue podcast, where we talk about Jonathan Frakes coloring books, among other things. That's <laughs> uh, at Continue Pod on Twitter. Uh, and you can also read stuff at uh, Genie Online, G-E-N-I-I online.com, which is a website about uh, magic and deception and puzzles, stuff like that. All of which I heartily endorse. 
Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Susan. I look forward to the next time we chat. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love talking about you. You know so what this is awesome because I'm usually the one like people have me on Doctor Who podcasts and I'm like, blah, well, 25 years ago, let me <laughs> tell you what happened. So it was really, really fun to talk with somebody so knowledgeable about Trek and who could fill me in on backstory and details and stuff. That was great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And that's how I feel every week talking to Sabriel. She fills me in. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. She must be an encyclopedia. Jeez. She, she is. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Susan. Thank you, man. This was fun. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. I just saw my first episode of Doctor Who in 30 years. Which one? The most recent Christmas episode. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Acceptable. Acceptable. Now, see, I grew up with Tom Baker and Peter Davison, but mm-hmm. I've not mm-hmm. seen any of the quote unquote new Doctor Who. I, I would encourage you to. <laughs> I would. Oh, okay. I'm not going to lie. A lot of it is bad. A oh. lot of it is ba- it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> but a lot of it is really, really good. Ooh. Yeah. Like... Yeah, really worth worth pursuing. I will make you an episode list if you like. I will, you know, cherry pick the really best stuff for you. Uh, but yeah, I would encourage you to seek that out. Should I start with Christopher Eccleston? I would, actually. Yeah, just because he got, because it was the, the first, it was the rebirth, he got uh, a lot of the budget and a lot of the best stories. Although, wait, you know what? I actually take it back. I saw one episode of Doctor Who, the made-for-TV movie back in 96. Oh, God, with, with Paul McGann. Yes, because that... Oh. That epi- that TV movie aired the same day as my first E3. Oh my god! And so like I ran back from the Atlanta Convention Center. No, wait, it was still in California at the time. And I'm like, gotta watch Doctor Who. <laughs> wow, that's a full day. <laughs> it was you a memorable that Doctor day. Who. Hey, you know what? It's it's not terrible that TV movie. It's not. I I don't think I need to go back and watch it again. No. Mm-mm. No, but I will say, so um, Paul McGann shows up in a recent uh, episode of Doctor Who, and uh, he's great. I love it when they bring back old former Doctors. Yeah, yeah. Or or even ones that look like them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was was really fun, the banter between them in the Christmas episode. Yeah, I liked it. Why aren't you doing a Doctor Who podcast? I, I, I don't think people will listen to it. Oh, you're so wrong. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. You know, in your copious free time. I have lots of it.